Okay, welcome all to our Priyom Kippur Shir, our third in our Yomim Naraim series. Um, all of you out there who are listening, who want to get the sources for, you know, so that you can see the actual original origin of all of the, um, of all the psukim we're quoting and everything we're talking about, you can email me, estween at gmail. Now, Baruch Hashem, something insane has happened. We, Kinahara Ashirim, have so many dedications lately that it's amazing. And the beautiful part about it is that people often donate money when they dedicate the shear. And therefore, we happen to have right now in the account a decent amount of money. I have wonderful causes that I've already distributed money to. But if anybody has someone specific that they think could really benefit on this Yantiv Sukkis, um, please reach out to me, PM me or Tanya. Okay, private message us, and we um, hopefully can be able to have the misfa of, of participating in helping that person have a beautiful yantiv. Okay, dedications are Varda Gwurt for Elias Neshama for the 10th yartet of her father David ben Eli Melech, Tamara Binowitz for her father's yartet Moshe ben Chaim, Chaya Parkov, Lili Nishmas, her father's 55th yartet, Svi Moshe ben Eliyahu Level, Zechonel Levracha, Shuli Baruch for Shanatova Leol. Esther Harwitz, Liloy Nishmas, her father Moshe ben Meir ben Yechiel, Moshe Meir ben Yechiel Mechel, Elana Lipman, in memory for dear father Moshe ben Mechel, and don't have to go through the whole thing, Anav Ora Bat Baruch. Oh, yes. Oh, something amazing happened last week. We talked about Re'eh and seeing, and Ilana then told me that Ora Bat Baruch, who she had written, you know, on her own, that Hashem should guard her like the pupil of an eye. Um, we had talked about A and seeing, and her daughter, Ora Bat Baruch, is actually blind. And um, it was uh, when Baruch Hashem this year was very um, in sync with what Ilana really had wanted to, you know, daven for, for her daughter. And and uh, also, for Shlema for Yaakov Ben Sara, and a curse of Thank you. Bela Forestine, Lizchus Freda Bas Bela, Michal Wixen, for Shlema for Avram Yitzchak Ben Chaya Rus. Michal Estrel, Eloi Nishmas of Moshe, Yitzchak ben Amram Aryeh, on his 10th yard site. Carrie Jerome, Eloi Nishmas, her mother, Itabas Yitzchak Shmuel, whose second yard site is Rosh Hashanah. Sherry Degani, for Esther Shear and all the teachings and all the good stuff and all our joint learning. Beautiful. And everything. Sima Selmar, for Gemar Simatova. Rifki Youngrace, for Gemar Simatova, for everybody. Beth Bennett, and for all of the Torah. And that we're learning together, and all the Talmudot worldwide. Debbie Lichman, Eloi Nishmas, her father, Moshe Mendel, and Aram Leib, Gitel Mores, in honor, memory of her dear father who recently passed away, Yehuda Tzvi ben Yaakov Tzvi ben Yehuda, her son Avi, Avraham Chaim ben Gitel, he should find success and fulfillment in his year in Yerushalayim. We have more. Malki Sultan, Eloi Nishmas, her mother in law, Etel Bas Moshe. American born and the rest of her family unfortunately assimilated, but she married in Altamir. Together they raised a beautiful family, Shomri Tormitsa. So Huva Feldman, Rafur Shlema for Moshe and Sarah, Karen and David Portel on the ninth yard of David's father, Rabbi Avram Chaim, Avram Ben Chaim Portel, Esther and David Shurvin, Lilo Nishmas, her uncle, Harav Shalom Rifkin, Ben Harav Moshe Duber, Zechot Tzadik Levracha, Ziratid is today, Dalatishri. He was a rabbi of young Israel of Bayswater and head of the Basin and Rabbinical Council before becoming chief rabbi of St. Louis. And Aliza Leichtam 
for continued four for Esther Malka Bashem the Rachel. Well, all of us learning for all the Eloi Neshamas and Rafur Shalemas and all that, we really have to learn Lishma. We are going to learn Lishma. Okay. Yes, we have given since this fund started $200,000, Baruch Hashem. And they've all gone to beautiful causes of real poor people, people learning Torah, people learning Torah, people. So, yeah, amazing. Amazing, amazing. Okay, we're really, we have a job. Okay. What we're going to do today. Wow. What we're going to do today is we're going to address some of the basic questions that swirl around Yom Kippur. Number one. I'll never forget Rabbi Witkin, my fourth grade teacher in JEC. He said, you're going to be saying those al so many times so they're coming out of your ears. We say al all the time. al okay, then we say it again in the Chazar Sashat. So by the time you finish, you're going to say it so many times. And a lot of people say, okay, so, but first of all, I don't think I did hit some of these things. You know, why am I saying them? And so we're repeating it all the time. And um, and am I supposed, like, what's my mindset? Like, I'm just so, obviously doing tshuva, super contrite, begging Hashem to forgive me for all these horrible things. And um, and that becomes, if you ask anybody, what's the essence of the, uh, you know, the day of Yom Kippur? What do you do? They say, vidoy, vidoy, alchei, alchei, alchei. Okay? And the question is, you know, what um, what's our mindset with that? And also, in general, how do we how do we think about Yom Kippur? We need to put it in context. So the first thing we're going to just do, which is not on the notes, is just put it in context of Rosh Hashanah and what we learned last week. All right. The reason Yom Kippur comes after Rosh Hashanah, sort of just to make sure everybody's clear on this, Rosh Hashanah is essentially reclaiming our identity. Malchios, uh, Zechronos, and Shofros. If you just simplify it in our language, recommitting to Hashem as Melech. We learned what that means. The Melech, as Ramam teaches in, in Mornebuchim 351 and 52, we've learned it a few times. The Melech, right, a king is that one that we believe, we know, we trust, that have our best interest in mind. Therefore, we will follow the guidelines of that Melech because we know they know what we need. They know they have the wisdom, the strength to implement security measures so we're safe, good lo good laws for us, and allow the, the, the whole nation to thrive. When we open our mind to the Torah ideas, which are not so far away, they're in a book, okay? And we learn them, and we let ourselves be influenced by them. We have then allowed Hashem to be the Melech. Melech is the divine wisdom that permeates our mind and influences us if we let it. <laughs> you could just close your mind also, and then you're in, you know, you know where you are. Where are you? Where are you if you close off the flow, the Shefa flow? You're in survival mode. You're in a dark, lonely place where you got to fend for yourself, and you're driven by fear and desire. Fear that I'm going to die. I got to get my knees met and desire. Why should I give in? Why should I say no to myself? We're all going to die. And it just goes cycling around. Okay. Now, you say, Malchus, I re-accept to be influenced by divine ideas. That is called the wisdom that hovers above us, that we can allow enter us is called the Melech. 
Okay, it's a, it's the divine, not only the wisdom and ideas, but all that comes with it, the koach, the strength, the optimism, the purpose, all of that. Okay, then we say zechronos. We really didn't talk about it in the last class, but let's spend a minute on it. What does it mean Hashem remembers? You know what remembering means. It means you, something is in your mind as if it's happening right now. Okay, saying Hashem remembers means, and we learned about Hashem in the first class, not having emotions, not changing. All these things are just euphemisms for us. Hashem remembers means that at present we are aware that Hashem knows us like he knows himself. Remember the Rambam we learned many times in Hilchos Yisodia Torah. Hashem says that Hashem, um, Rambam says Hashem knows us because he knows himself. And we're part of that. Being remembered means we are presently known by God. And Hashem promises us that we will be constantly known by God. He knows us because he knows himself, which means that Hashem takes the, uh, sees, um, no, I would say like this, HaKadosh Baruch Hu remembers, so to speak, we say remembers the bris. And this has to do with the shofar also. Hashem sees that we are the ones through whom he operates in the world. Do you know what the shofar is? We inhale the air, right? But we really inhale the influence of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's wisdom. And then it, it enters us and then we exhale it so that everybody else feels it or hears it, so to speak. In a sense, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is working through us. We are the keli, the shofar, but the message, the call is Hashem's call, Hashem's message through us and beyond. Okay, we are the conduit. And so we, HaKadosh Baruch Hu knows us, remembers us that we are the ones through which he operates. And that's the chauffeur. That's the message of the chauffeur. And we just have to know ourselves like that. So if in Rosh Hashanah we reclaim our identity, and then the Sarasamechuba is the time that we say, gosh, now that I remember who I am and what my all, you know, what I'm supposed to do with myself, I really feel stupid about slipping into survival mode and engaging or or like drifting into those, or just like succumbing to those petty fear and desire motivations that cause me to do all these stupid things, damaging things, you know, things that really were antithetical to, to who I know I am. And I regret it. And I admit that it was dumb and I'm going to re recommit. Now recommit, as we learned last week, doesn't just mean, okay, I'm really sorry, mommy, I'll be better. I was disobedient. No, recommit means I'm going to recommit to keeping my understanding of who I am alive, keep my eyes open, my spiritual eyes, so that I don't slip again, okay? Otherwise, recommitting all you want, it's not going to work. Everyone knows that. <laughs> you know, we have good intentions, but we slip. It's about recommitting not to slip. Okay, now that we're there, we get to Yom Kippur. So we spend the whole day saying, al-chet, al-chet, al-chet. But you want to know the truth? If you go back to the way your Yom Kippur was originally celebrated for the first a thousand years and in the first base of Megdash and even the second base of Megdash, in the right in the better days when sometimes it weren't so good days, but when it was good, totally and radically different than the way we celebrate Yom Kippur today. Yom Kippur Day seems burdensome for many people. They dread it. Let's be straight up honest. A lot of people just dread it, absolutely dread it. It's heavy. People are supposed to muster up pain and regret and sadness and cry and feel horrible. And it sort of like feels like for many people, you got to manufacture it. And you got, and okay, being in shul helps with it and all that, but it seems like an overwhelming burden. The truth is, the Kaddish Baruch Hu didn't, the, the original Yom Kippur 
was nothing like our Yom Kippur. So let's go back and try to understand what it was like. And then we're going to understand, um, you know, what we're doing within our Yom Kippur. First, I want to say something just regarding Yom Kippur. To understand the basic structure of the davening was by Anche Knesagdola. We're going to get into how that corresponds to the original avoda. Okay, a few key uh, elements in the tefillah were added along the way, and it's important to put them in context. First of all, Kol Nidre. Okay, uh, Kol Nidre was in, was invented probably in the eighth century, ninth century time of the Gaonim. There were times when people already by the Arabs, by the Christians were forced to take on oaths that they were, you know, gonna be, be, you know, change their religion. People took on these oaths, you know, but it was fake and they maintained their Judaism secretly. And so they said Kol Nidre. The haunting tune of Kol Nidre, you all know where that came from, right? Max Bruch, he wasn't even Jewish. And he composed it in 1850, okay. In around 1850. So now Rav Yosef Karo, the author of the Shulchan Aruch, established Kol Nidre as official because there's a lot of, a lot of um, uh, controversy. Many great people didn't want Kol Nidre to be part of the Nusach at all. It went back and forth. Eventually it was canonized by um, Rav Yosef Karo. Okay. Also, let's talk about Nisana Tokef. If you were in shul on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur and you were davening and you're actually reading the davening, you had to realize that Nisana Tokov is so completely and totally different and completely out of sync with the whole with the whole tefillah. The tefillah is positive and positive and positive. We remember Hashem is Melach and Hashem remembers the bris and Hashem will grant us uh, all the good things that Hashem will save us. It's like there's nothing slightly like Nasana Tokov in the original tefillah. Everyone knows it entered the tefillah in around the 10 hundreds with the 11th century with Rav Amnon of Mines. It does reflect the life of the Jewish people through, through the Middle Ages, which was absolutely a, light, a very difficult life, constantly unsure of their life, if they'd live or die, never knowing what the nations that they lived amongst would concoct to torture them and punish them and devalue them. It really reflects the difficulty of life in those times, okay? And it, it does, and it and it was put into the machzer, but and and it becomes for a lot of people the centerpiece of the davening because it's so dramatic. But no, 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 no. The centerpiece of Rosh Hashanah davening is Malchios, Zechronos, and Shofros. It is it is Nesanatokov just over kind of like hijacked the whole thing. I mean, I'm not saying in a in a it, it's valuable. It reflects a real truth and everyone gets into it, but do not confuse that with the avoda of the day, which is what we talked about, reclaiming the self, knowing that we are known for, for being the one through whom Hashem speaks and being reassured that we for sure will achieve our tafkid and for sure the shofar of Mashiach will announce that and this will we will succeed we will always hold on to who we are we will always eventually give up our you know mistakes and come back to our real identity that's the centerpiece the mitzvah do raisa of Rosh Hashanah shofar and Malchus is a chonus and shofaros okay now same thing in Yom Kippur we have Nisana Tokov but do not make a mistake the centerpiece of the entire Yom Kippur davening is the Musaf Avoda. And that's what we're going to focus on today. It is the Musaf Avoda. I even have it here broken down. This you could print out and take into your mafzer of exactly what happened because we're going to identify something. We're going to try to understand 
how our davening relates to the original avoda, and we're really going to focus on the two goats, okay? The Azazel and the Chatas Hashem. Now, question. I want you to go through, I'm going to give you a minute, all of you with the notes. Go through this step-by-step-by-step avoda and tell me where in the avoda of Yom Kippur in the time of the Basin Megdash did the people actually say vidoy? Like we say all day long on Yom Kippur. When did they do it? You have to go through the avoda. The Yom Kippur avoda started in the morning, very, very early. It was a series of carbonos and katoras and sprinklings and Kohen Gadol changing his garments. I even linked a very beautiful uh, description of the Kohen Gadol's role here um, in the, uh, at some point, if you have it online here, by Michael Rosenzweig. Um, but the, the avoda was taking place from sunrise just till midday, 12.30, something, 12.45. That was it. And there was this whole service, the base of English that people came to watch. And, and there was the slaughtering of the, the different animals, the Kohen Gadol's bull, and then the, for, the, for the first family, and then for the Kohanim, then for the people, and the sprinkling of the blood. As we said, the changing of the outfits from gold to white, which we could never, which we never go into the Kosh Gashem and the gold. And then the Sirla um, Azazel, and then the, the Ketores taking it in and all of that. When it finished at 12.45 and that red string or whatever it was turned white, what was the rest of the day? What was the rest of the day? Major yuntiv. It was a major yuntiv. Avoda was over at 12 midday. And then you, you read in the boxer, Marek Kohen, celebration, yuntiv. All the girls would get dressed in white and go and dance and they would make shaduchim. It was nothing like our Yom Kippur. My question is, where in the avoda in the base of Megdash did the people do tshuva? At what point did there anyone say vidoy? They, of course they fasted. Of course, of course. Oh, no, but they didn't. They were fasting. Of course, of course. Now, where, and by the way, my grandfather taught, the only reason the girls could dance in the vineyards is because everyone was on such a madrega on Yom Kippur in the time of the base of Middash when the string turned white, that it was a time of true purity. True purity. And we're missing so much. So look through the avoda, guys. Where's the tshuva part? They were all fasting. Of course they were fasting. Yes, of course they were fasting. Okay, what? Um, where did the people do tshuva? Start looking through it. And I want you to take the time afterwards and go through the avoda. This is the most important part of Yom Kippur. Okay. Um, go through the whole, so you go, start going down. First, the garment change number one. First, the morning tamid. Okay, then the garment change number one. Then he brought the bull, the power of his personal sin offering. Then came the lottery of the goats. We're going to talk a lot about that. Then came the Kohelis, the Ketoros preparation. Then the offering of the Ketoros. Then sprinkling of the blood of the um, of his own of his his own power, his own bull in the in the um, Then going back to that goat with the lottery. One said Lazazel, one said Lahashem, taking the one Lahashem and, and offering it. As a chatos, then taking the blood of that chatos lashem to the kodesh kedushim and sprinkling it, then sprinkling it in the regular heichal outside the kodesh kedushim, then taking the blood and putting it on the golden incense altar, then going to the azazel, and each time before they shechted the when he shechted his own par, and then when he shechted the par for the kohanim, he would confess his sins, the sins of the kohanim. When look at number, look at goat for azazel. 
the Kohen Gadol left the Heichal, which is the main section, not the Kodesh Kedoshim, the place where the Menorah Shulchan and Mizbeach are, walked to the east side of the Azara, the Israelite courtyard. That's the, that what we call, okay? The east side is the side by the Harazesim, you know, the other side, okay? Near the Nicanor Gate, all right? He leaned his hands on the goat for Azazel, confessed the sins of the entire people of Israel. This is after he already did Vidoy in his own, his and his family's sins, and the Kohanim and the Levium, okay, because they were working in the base mission in case they made any mistakes. Then finally comes to the goat of Azazel, confesses the sins of the entire people. The people then, at this point in the service, prostrated themselves when he pronounced it Kevavke, while he made a general confession, individuals in the crowd at the temple would confess privately. That's when they did it. And everyone would say their own personal video for whatever they remembered about themselves. No, not yet. There was already in the time of the second base of Megdash, for all the people that didn't come back to Israel, there was already, they were formalizing the tefillah. The Anche Knesset Hagdola started formalizing it in the early days of the second temple, okay? The Kohen Gadol then sent the goat off to Azazel. Then he prepared the other animals and he read from the Torah. Then he changed his garments. Then he offered the rams. Then he made the musaf. Then he all keep going, keep going, keep going. Okay. So the people that when they, when did they do vidoy, which is what we do all day, when the Kohen Gadol said vidoy on the goat that goes to Azazel. Okay. We're going to talk about that. What happens after this is all done? Yom Tov Haya Oso Betseso Bishalom in The Kohen Gadol made a big yantiv for everyone. They, they were fasting. Ashrei Ha'am Shekachalo, Ashrei Ha'am Shashem Lakov. Fortunate, Rav Hirsch says, forward moving, and that really makes sense. Progressing is the nation and the, that, uh, that, uh, that, had, that has this, that this is how we, we had our Yom Kippur. So it was a day of relief. Light, throwing off the burden, getting a kapara, celebration, okay? The last Mishnah in Tanis, Amar Rabbi Shimon ben Gamliel, lo hayu yamim tovim li Yisrael kechamisha asar ba'avu kiyom ha'kippur. There were no more joyous days in the whole year for the nation than Yom Kippur and Tubav. And we've had speeches, we've had uh, talks about this. I happened to highlight that when the girls were dancing, they would say a pasuk. We learned a lot about this pasuk. That um, we're talking about go see King Shlomo with the crown, his mother crowned him. Remember that? Mm -hmm. Who is the mother of Shlomo? Shlomo is a euphemism for Hashem. Hamelech Shalom Shalom, who's Hashem's mother? Remember that? That's our whole 7, 1737 thing where we become the mother of Hashem. So we have that. If anyone's interested, you can reach out to me. In any case, that's what they used to say. So Yom Kippur, we understand a little bit of how Yom Kippur was. Now let's go to our Yom Kippur today. Firstly, when we start taking a look at the minhagim of how we keep Yom Kippur, it becomes eminently clear that Chazal are setting up a situation where every individual person is seeing themselves and actually reenacting the role of the Kohen Gadol. Because the Kohen Gadol was the primary actor in the whole service. No one else did any of it, really. And it was prepared for a week in advance. Now, let's see all the similarities, okay? We don't wear gold. Well, the Kohen Gadol did not wear gold when he went in the Kodesh Kedashim. So this tells us that in Anyom Kippur, we see ourselves as getting to a place in our minds 
where we can enter the Kodesh HaKadoshim. What does that mean? The Kohen Gadol only entered the Kodesh HaKadoshim in white. What the Kohen Gadol, when he entered the Kodesh HaKadoshim, wearing white, we wear white. Why do they say we wear white? What's the reason? We are, we are like what? Yeah. What's a Malach? What's a Malach? What kind of force? Where, where is, what kind of force? Hashem's Ratzon. It's the Shefa. It's the Shefa of HaKadosh Baruch It's Hashem's divine will entering and affecting this world. We call that a Malach. To open the flow of that Shefa so that the Hashem's Ratzon can enter this world and enact all of the positive, um, you know, um, um, can, can cultivate, can facilitate all of the positive uh, benefits. In other words, the, the fertility for in every single way, whoever meaning brain children, real children, life, prosperity, chachma, everything that flows, okay, that's what was the goal of the Kohen Gadol entering the Kodesh Hashem. In other words, he really entered and it was like a state of nevuah. Like he came like a malach, meaning that a direct transmitter of Hashem Shefa. We wear white. We don't wear gold. We are the Kohen Gadol. We're also getting to a state of opening that flow through the neshama. Remember, we talk about it, the umbilical cord, so that a Kodesh Baruch Hu's Ratzon can flow into our lives and into everybody's lives by extension. That's what we're doing. That's what we're doing. We're taking away all the blockages. Okay, we recite the Avoda as the centerpiece of the day because this is what we're doing. And we're going to get to the Azazel part. We have to eliminate the, those, all of that which, you know, diverted us. The Kohen had to buy his bull that he offered on behalf of himself with his own money, atone for his personal mistakes before he's allowed to atone for Amisul. When the Kohen did the confession on the the Seir Lazazel, he confessed for all of Amisrael. The reason we say all those alphates, the reason Anshik Nesagol scripted a very comprehensive list that applies to everyone, and we say it in the plural, is because we're really thinking about all of Kalisrael. So it doesn't matter if a person didn't do one of the sins, you're the Kohen Gadol, you're atoning for everyone. Everybody is together in this. And that's why we say it in the collective. And of course, on a deeper level, everybody can you know, find some very, very nuanced, delicate aspect of a certain Avera that they might have done in their mind, but if they didn't actually do it you know, in real life. But in general, there's, it's really true that people look to listen and say, this doesn't apply to me. But it doesn't matter because we're playing the role of the Kohen Gadol, okay? We're being machaper on everybody. Um, so the alchets that we say, all that vidoy that we say on behalf of everyone, on behalf of ourselves, they replace the personal vidoy that took place during the Azazel uh, process, where he was confessing and then eventually sending it off to basically destroy, you know, get destroyed. Okay. Um, we wrote here, the list is comprehensive. It can apply to all people on different levels. Okay. They are in the collective to serve, to, to also, to, uh, they serve to reenact the Kohen Gadol's repenting for Am Yisrael. And then the Kohen Gadol enters the Kodesh Gadashim with uh, which is a state of Nebuah, releases the Shefa. This is why, as we said, we dress in white like Malachim. That's the role we're playing. Okay. Let's now narrow it down and focus on the Vidoy and the Azazel. Okay. <laughs> Get into the deeper secrets. 
there were three parts of the base of Mikdash. There was the courtyard. That was where the Mizbeach HaNechoshes was, okay? That's the Mizbeach where they offered animals, burnt actual animals. That's where they would burn the Chatzas Lashem, the other of the goats. And, um, and that's where the Kohen confessed the sins on the Se'er Lazazel, okay? Then there was the Hechel, the inner chamber that had the Ketores, that had the Shulchan, and that had the Menorah. And the Ketoros was brought into the, you know, onto the Mizbeach, the golden Mizbeach. And then the ashes of the Ketoros were taken even deeper into the Kodesh HaKadoshim. Now, this is, we don't have a base of Mikdash, but we do. Every person is a Mikdash Ma'at. So our bodies are like the courtyard. Okay, that's what we eat, our physical sustenance. We operate with our bodies, we our actions are are all executed through our bodies, including our mouth, what we speak. What motivates our actions is our spirit. It's called the first, the, our bodies are the nefesh. Let's call it the nefesh. It's a classical three-part uh, division. What motivates our actions is our spirit. What moves us, the ruach, the ruach that moves us. The feeling of what our priorities are, what our drives are, what our appetites are, what we want. This is the ruach that is referred to. This is this is associated with smell, the mizbeach hakatoris. Okay, you smell through your nose. You inhale air, oxygen, right? You smell. Your smell makes you feel alive. It's that sense of I exist. I'm alive. You know, on Yom Kippur, when someone is faint, they give them smelling salts. Also suppositories, okay, <laughs> but um, uh, but really, um, but smelling salts, right? You go to the Grand Canyon or some like magnificent place that's overwhelming. What do people do? They inhale, right? That's the feeling of like ah, I am my life force. But your life force is a function of something much greater, and that's the neshama or the divine flow of divine wisdom and truths. And understandings, and that's really behind the partition, behind the parochas, in the Kodesh Hakadoshim. That's really in the, that's a separate place. Our neshama, as we know, has parts to it. I'm just going to mention this. If you learn a little Tanya, you know that there's nefesh, ruach, okay, neshama, but then there's called chaya and yechida, okay. And we say the neshama sort of the chaya hovers above. And the yechida is even above it. The muscle we use of the chaya, the part hovering above, is the placenta, is a good muscle, meaning a Baruch created a realm called the Shemayim. And that realm is full of all the kochos that are accessible. We talked about this, accessible to us. We just have to release the flow. They're there awaiting our, our you know, desiring them and drawing them into us. So tefillah and all of this is for, and that place Chaya is the source of all of the kochos or the shemayim. We call them malachim and the spheres and all that of all that can really reach us through the neshama. Okay, it's above. It's it's you know not necessarily attainable. But don't make a mistake. Torah loba shemayim. Torah has been written in a sefer and handed to us. You don't have to do a lot of hard work to draw down the shefa, which you take some some focus and concentration and good behavior and good midos and clear mind and all of that. But the Torah is right here. 
Okay, the Torah helps us open up that flow even more. And high above that is like their muscle, the mind of the mother. That's Yechida, Yachid, Echad, HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Obviously, Hashem's Ratzon dictates what will flow from the Shemayim. And Hashem could even change the flow and all of that. And things could reach us, even sometimes without our even trying. Yeah. Right? But uh, so we never discredit Ratzon Hashem above all things. But still, HaKadosh Baruch Hu set a system into place where we really can achieve a greater and greater quality and quantity to what reaches us, what fills our mind, what influences us. Okay? Now, that's the Kodesh Gadashim. That's where we enter on Yom Kippur. The reason we're acting like the Kohen Gadol is because we're meant to experience and it's the flow. The Shefa is more available. We can get there, even for a moment, to a place where we are able, where we make ourselves a clea to draw all of that down to us, okay? And inspire us and strengthen us and give us clarity of perspective, keep us on track and remind us who we are at all times, okay? Now, yes, yeah. So the, um, what comes from the fire, would that be chokhmah? So what comes from the Chaya or the Shemaim, by the way, there's another name for it called the Knesset Yisrael is a name that was used. That would be, um, that would be Chachma, Chachma, but greater. There's also Chachma in this world, but there's higher Chachma. And that's why we daven. One of the important purposes of tefillah is to daven for opening up that Shefa, that opening up that flow. That is a huge point of davening. Okay? Because once we are... Huh? Every day or all the time. Because the more our minds are influenced by these true ideas, which also requires mitzvahs, it requires being around like-minded people. It requires being, you know, keeping our minds constantly engaged, but then it just changes the way you see the world and it changes the way you operate and it changes your ruach and it changes your nefesh. And on Yom Kippur, we could get there. That's the goal. But in order to get there, just like in the basement, you got to get rid of the stuff that's in the way. Okay. So what happens now with, what is this Azazel? What is going on here? You have two goats, all right? And they are exactly identical. If you look in the Psukim, in Vayikra, okay, the goat will bear upon itself all their iniquities. This is the origin of the scapegoat. Okay, Rambam says, this Seir Lazazel, which we don't have today, which is a huge loss, a massive loss that we don't have this Seir Lazazel and we don't have this Avoda. Okay, because Yom Kippur, first of all, would be a very different experience and it would be a, as it should be. And uh, Rambam says, this Seir Lazazel has the capacity to atone for all the sins in the Torah whether they be light or grave, whether the transgression was committed unintentionally or with deliberation, whether the sin is known to the perpetrator, whether it's, whether it's not, can you imagine? Say bye-bye. Okay, by the way, by way of explanation, the Medrash offers the following idea. The Seir Azazel Seir refers to Asaf. Now we're getting deeper, okay? It says that Asaf was Ish, Seir, that's his name. He was a hairy person, Seir. The Hebrew word Seir, goat, and Saar, you could say hair, Seir is, or Sar is hairy. It is further written, and we quoted the Pasuk, the goat will bear upon itself all their iniquities. Now, the Pasuk, it's not in Hebrew here. I don't know why. I thought I did, but I guess I didn't. The Avonotam, 
the seer as Lazazel carries avonotam. Okay, in Hebrew, the word avonotam can be split into two words, avonot tam, the sins of the tam. This is a reference to Yaakov, who is written the Yaakov Ishtam, Yoshev Ohalim. Okay, so the Seir Lazazel, which is Esav, carries away all the Avonot of Yaakov called Ishtam. What's the secret here? And getting to know the secret is going to help us understand the secret of why Yom HaKippurim is Yom like Purim. What is the connection between Purim and Yom HaKippurim? Okay, well, we know. Everything. Everything. Well, you have to atone, Ramam says, for in order for it to, you have to do that yourself. You have to make up for it. Yeah. But if you've made up for it, it's, it's you know, it's, uh, you know, the Ramam says there are four levels. Sometimes you could just do tshuva. Sometimes you need yusurim. Sometimes you need yom hamisa, day of death. So this, we, you know, not having the seer lazazel, which just immediately eliminated them. Okay. So now let's talk about Purim and Yom Kippur. And we'll talk about Yaakov and Esav. Obviously, Purim is a Yaakov Esav story. Amalek, Haman, Esav, the Jews, okay, Yehudim. Okay, this is the same thing. What happened here? Haman made a lottery. When you go to, and you look at the Avod of Yom Kippur, particularly the part that allows us to get rid of all our Averas, right? It's also a lottery. It's also a lottery. The Kohen Gadol takes these two identical Sirim goats, has a box. There's two, you know, two, um, what's it called? Like uh, labels, whatever. One says, Achatas Lashem, Achatas to God, a sin offering to God. One says, Lazazel. It picks a lottery, this and that. Ties a red string on the Sir Lazazel and waits, it waits there until the Chatas, the, 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 the other one becomes a carbon Chatas gets offered, and then is sent away. So what's with the lottery? What is the deep secret of the lottery? So what happened with the lottery on Yom Kippur? I mean, I'm sorry, I'm Purim. Well, yeah, Haman made a lottery, and he picked that very inauspicious day called the 13th of Adar, but then what happened? Suddenly, the lottery, which is random, fate, it's interfered with. Your, the fate that's kind of predetermined is totally sabotaged. How did it get sabotaged? What happened? What sabotaged Haman's whole plan? Why, so the, why didn't the 13th of Adar, this random day picked by lottery, turn out to be like Haman expected? What happened in between? Mordechai and Esther and the Jewish people did tshuva. When they did tshuva, what did they really do? Yeah, they fasted. But what was going on in here? What was the shift? They realized that they're willing to take on their role of Amishol. Let's be honest. Let's be. Let's give credit. Amishol for a thousand years had lived in Eretz Yisrael with Nisim and Vua. They had never ever experienced being in a foreign country without Nisim, without Navua, without that sort of leadership. And they said, "Hey, wait, we didn't sign up for this one. We said Nasev and Ishma was under certain conditions. Eretz Yisrael leaders." Nisim and Navua, we never signed up for this. Gullus, purpose, you know, what are we supposed to, well, I don't read, are we gonna like, do we have to keep our Judaism? Like this wasn't the original deal. And it was on Purim when after the Nase and they, after they re-decided, they reclaimed their identity, we choose to be the ones, the chauffeur, so to speak, to whom Hashem speaks, 
in the Gullus, the this is the maturity of Klal Yisrael. Through us, the message of God will come to the world. We accept it. That's why we're called Yehudim or Moda. We accept. Not only that, we say Toda, and we gratefully accept it. And we will be the ones through whom Hashem's messages will reach mankind. We reclaim our identity. And suddenly the random day is not so random anymore. It's very, it becomes a day designated, established for a total Vinapo, where everything changes, everything changes around. So what starts out as random, through Amisol's reclaiming our identity, using our real Bechira, loses its randomness and becomes designated forever as a huge yamdu. Okay. So look at now, let's go to Yom HaKippurim. Now this is like Purim. The Kohen Gadol starts with two identical Sirim, we call one Yaakov and one Esau, which means in every person are two forces, two potentials, okay? Mm-hmm. It's random. One is Lashem, one is Lazazel. Well, let's talk about this. We've learned the idea of Ezu Asher Smech Bechelko, right? Chelek, what's our Chelek? So we did this exercise, you know, think about it. What are all the variables in your life that you never even got an opportunity to select for yourself, right? So, you know, everything, your parents, your country, your generation, your genetics, your body, your mind, your temperament, your siblings, what happens to you, the whole thing. Let's be real. Hashem drops us in or we wake up one day and we go, oh my, here I am. And we're in the middle of this enormous drama that's been unfolding way before we got here. I'm going to go way after we're gone. And it's playing out on a massive stage called planet Earth, okay? And in the heavens, all right? And suddenly we get dropped into a particular moment in time, in a particular body, in a particular circumstance, a particular family, in a particular place, okay? And it's random. It's not random from Hashem, but we don't, it's suddenly, it's our chilek. We just, it just gets put on us. This is you. Hello. Welcome. This is your story. Okay. Now our life can continue to be absolutely random. And we could do the random thing, which is open our eyes and say, okay, well, how do I make it through this little, you know, journey of life that I got to make it through and let's see how I do. And then we try our best and we figure it out on our own and we, that's what happens. Okay. Option B is we say, okay, since I really can't control every, anything, what am I supposed to do with myself? Start to learn a little bit and it quickly becomes clear. And, you know, Torah has been spread throughout the world. It's not that complicated. You are here and there's only one thing you get to do. If you understand who you are, that you're the one through whom Hashem is speaking, the chauffeur, which you already were supposed to figure, remind yourself on Rosh Hashanah, then you put your particular personality and individuality and your particular kochos, your strengths, to work to channel HaKadosh Baruch in your way, the timeless truths, the value system, the MS, through the mitzvahs. The mitzvahs condition a person to be the kind of person who can do that, who can do that well and consistently. So then you say, okay, all of this stuff is selected for me, like the lottery, but what I get to do is choose. Am I going to be Lashem? And if not, it's Azazel, okay? It's self-destruction, oblivion. Why the desert where there's nothing? Because it reminds you that you go back to the ayin. If you don't make a yesh, something, 
something out of your existence here. You just melt back into the big ayin, the big void that you came from, right? Ayin and ani, same word. You make, if a person has to make something of their temporary existence, all the while knowing that they're really nothing more, and that's really the only thing they could do, is be a conduit through whom the great truths reach the world and the great, and not just concepts, but but also forces, right? And um, and then a person joins, if a person makes that one and only decision that dictates everything else in your life, you get, enter the category, we all enter the uh, group called Mevakshe uh, Hashem, the one seeking Hashem. So the Kohen Gadol goes ahead and pre-selects a destiny, okay? One is called Yaakov, one is called Esau. Why is Yaakov the one that decides to devote themselves to Hashem and Esau the one that's... So look at the names. You know, Yaakov is called... First of all, look at the Pasuk. Yaakov Ishtam Yoshev Ahalim. The word Yoshev Ahalim, Ohel. We learned about this once before too. Yaakov dwells in two Ohels. Think of the baby. You know you're in your own little Ohel, your physical situation, your perception of you know, kind of like being in your physical world, but you exist in a greater makom, a greater ohel, so to speak. You exist in a greater reality, which is part of Hashem's self-expression. Yaakov is Yoshev Olam. He knows it. He's Ishtam, which is why the Azazel takes Avonotam. What is Tam? Tam is, it's hard to understand. Tamimus, Tamim, complete. Now, what happens when a person like Yaakov Slips because everybody slips. Remember, we learned last week in Rambam Hilchas Shuva Parak Seven, Yishtadel Adam Lasos Shuva. You should try because it constant effort to remember who we are, to open and spiritualize. What if you slip? What about the Avonot Tam? It's oh, it is built into the system. It's pretty inevitable that people will slip, but once a person reclaims themselves. They look at their slippage and they go, oh gosh, what was I thinking? I slipped. I did these foolish things, maybe even damaging things. You know what? Now that I remember who I am, you brush them off. That You put them all on the Azazel and literally you just send them away. They, they, they vanish on their own. When a person reclaims their identity, they don't have to work on, they don't have to work on every little thing because it's almost becomes eventually a natural thing. Why is Esav called Esav? So Yaakov, by the way, Yod and Ekev. Ekev is the heel of the foot. Wait, what are the two physical world right. within the greater Makom of Hashem? So, wait, so the physical Ohel, the body, our physical world, and the greater Ohel, which is really the, like we talk about Sukkis, right? And we talk about the Sukkot Davin, they're talking about a, like a, it's the mushal as a tent, but it's the, of the Shechina. It's a higher place. So he's dwelling in two places and he's Yaakov, you know, the word Akev is the heel. It's a journey to get to a place where you see yourself as part of the bigger truth. That's the Yud. The Yud is that point that Yud represents the Kaddish Baruch Hu, represents that understanding that everything is contained in one, in one Echad. Okay, just like, for example, Lahavdil. The Lahavdil, Lahavdil, the Big Bang, everything that ever came into existence already existed in what they call a point of infinite density. We all already exist in that Yud and that Akadosh Baruch Hu's oneness, which everything exists within. And that's the Yud and the Akev, and it's a journey to get there. What's Esav? 
Asif is asoy, I'm done. I got this. I look around, I see what the situation is. I know what to do. I don't have, I'm not on a journey. I'm not discovering a greater self. I see what I got. I'm working with what I got. I'm living, I'm reacting to the moment. Okay. I'm looking for, um, um, I'm looking for, uh, um, uh, you know, I am, uh, what would I write here? Let's read this. It's opting out of spiritual growth. No journey necessary. Living in the moment. He says, Asaph is called Ish Tzayid. Right? Yodea, I'm sorry, Yodea Tzayid. Right? And he's a man of the fields. Right? What does it say? He Asaph Yodea, Ish Yodea Tzayid, Ish Sada. He's traps. What is trapping me? It's a conniving, cunningly getting our needs met, trapping innocent people, a self-serving, right? Pure fear and desire type of thing. What's a sada? Ownerless, hefker, boundaryless world. Those are your two choices. Okay. What happens when, we, when a person chooses the ace of mode or we slip? All, that's Shlomo's Kohelis, Tachas Hashemesh, Hevel Havalim. It all just self-destructs. It all implodes. It goes back to the nothing that it, came from there's no yesh is that if he doesn't have if asap doesn't have a boundary he has no ohel that's correct very good beautiful there is no ohel here he lives in a hefker it's a world it's hefker where all like i said everything that all what driven by fear and desire i mean this is gripped right and then uh and then um and uh and we, so the toy like this, a person can choose. It is true that the options are two options. How does a person fall into the ace of option? So we have a concept in, in, in the Medrash that there are people that fit the category of what is referred to as you recognize as creator, but intentionally rebel, which means intentionally refuse to open your mind and opt in and let the big ideas influence you. It's a, there are two choices, to open the flow or to refuse to. That's it, to open the flow. And by the way, Hashem creates our minds in a way that we do where so every human being already is prompted by the design of their psyche to try to ask questions. Why am I here? What is my purpose? How do I express myself? What's the bigger thing? Do I have any meaning? Like we're already prompted. So you have to actually close off the flow, refuse to ask the questions, refuse to find the answers. So you recognize, people recognize, but, they, but there's an intention to not pursue the answers. And that leads to the ASAV. And um, so what we said here, we shed our vonotam, reclaiming our true identity. That's Rosh Hashanah, okay? Once we see ourselves in a true light, we naturally disconnect and regret our foolish loss of self and the damage we did because of that. Yom Kippur was a joyous day when we understood and experienced that Hashem had created a path by which we can rid ourselves of the burden of our foolish mistakes and their damage. Reframing is the beginning of tshuva. That's Rosh Hashanah, the beginning of Aser Sumei Tshuva. That's real tshuva, returning, reclaiming ourselves. And then we admit, we regret, we recommit. That becomes almost automatic and natural. We say the alchets in the plural to reenact the Kohen Gadol. We can go deeper and deeper on some level. Perhaps we can you know, improve in all these areas. And, um, and the main idea of Rosh Hashanah is it was, it was not that burdensome. A person had to do tshuva. 
you had to, you had to, you know, you had to admit verbally, I goofed, I made a mistake. The person had to return stolen money, apologize to the friend. You didn't have to be in the base of Megdash. I'm sure it was pretty crowded. Yeah. The, one of the one of the uh, was nobody felt crowded in the base of Megdash, and it wasn't a day that anyone dreaded. It was the day everyone looked forward to. You came to base of Megdash, you watched the avoda, you heard the shame of Mephorosh, you bowed down, you confessed your sins, and for a few minutes when the Kohen Gadol was was doing vidoy on the. You saw the red string turn white. You went home and had a yujantiv. There were shaduchim were being made. It was a major. You know how many varts were Motzi Yom Kippur? <laughs> um, and it was a what? A spiritual shower. A spiritual shower. Yes. And then you walked away feeling, feeling cleansed. You read the Piyud Mara Kohen, who talks about how the Kohen. The celebration after the string, you know, the rope, the, the little string turn right. The point is, when we go into Yom Kippur. Remember, we say the alchets. We take it seriously. They're not going to mean much unless we really reclaim their identity. Then they're just going to be like an exercise in, in you know, an endurance test. Basically, <laughs> how long can I stand there and go like this and act sincere until you know? But if we really reclaim ourselves, we say alchet. You don't have to spend 900 hours on each one. You can, but even if you don't, you see, these are all the stupid things we do when we're in survivor mode. Doesn't, you don't have, you know, it's not that complicated. <laughs> and we do go through, of course, the details. The more a person wants to perfect themselves, the more they go through all the diktukim. But even in general, saying the alchet, you know, the nusach in, in all the shuls is that Ashamnu Baganu said very quickly in a kind of happier mm -hmm. tune. That's that you're allowed to do that. And the main thing, guys, put your focus on the avoda, put your focus on the chatsirim, put your focus on on the idea of 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 uh, the ability to really throw off the avaris in a real way. But it really requires the reorienting of self self our self concept in a real way. Um, choosing a new self concept has got to manifest in different emotions and different mm -hmm. behaviors. If it doesn't manifest into different emotions or different behaviors, then we never chose a new con self concept, and then we faked. You know, didn't really we didn't really do it. So um, we wish you know the the uh, the bracha for all of us is that we should really have a good yantiv. We should really be able to bring our re our uh, our new con our new ver sense of who we are meant to be and can be. Really internalize it. Really make it be who we are. And then see, really notice a real change in our emotions and how we react and how we think and how little, how less we are triggered, how less we are offended, how, how more forgiving we are, how more understanding we are, how more, how more uh, we are open to chesed. And of course, tzedek or mishpat is huge justice. The more we see ourselves as part of a greater reality, the more we see everybody else and the more we are devoted to justice. That's Yona. That's that's a lot of the reading on, on, on Yom Kippur is about justice, treating everyone else well. That has to translate into that. And um, and we see a difference in ourselves. We also see a difference in our choices. You know, we're willing to say no to ourselves more, more often, to avoid the cycle of fear and desire, to recognize it and to opt out of it and to make better choices. If we don't see better emotions and better choices, we got to go back and re, re remind ourselves who we are.
All right, everyone, have a beautiful Yom Kippur. I'm going to see you guys in the Q&A because I got to run, okay? So, and I might even do a little video tonight to a Zoom meeting to schmooze about all these ideas, okay? I'll put it on the chats. Okay, bye, guys. Good yantiv. Good